Hey, Kingdom listeners, Justin here. And I just wanted to give you a quick note here before today's episode, because I wanted to tell you something that I realized a lot of people don't know. And it's that the kingdom is a live event. And for the first time ever, we have the option for you to come join us in person or you can join us online. We're at a new time and a new rhythm this season with lots more live music, with a band and a live audience in the room with me and some special guests that are going to blow your mind. So if you are in the LA area and you want to come join us live in person, or if you are anywhere in the world and you want to join us live online for this brand new season, just go to the link in the show notes or go to justinmichaelwilliams.com slash the kingdom. Our theme for season three is all about love. And I'd love to see you there. All right, now back to the episode. This is Justin Michael Williams and welcome to the kingdom podcast. We believe there is something bigger than us, but also something big within us. We believe that all of us have the power to transform our lives and to transform the world. And we believe that wisdom is everywhere, but especially in you. This is our moment to ask life's biggest questions and to rise together. Welcome to the kingdom. are. Here we are in our journey together into the power of post-traumatic growth. And it is with the most great honor that I introduce you to our special guest. But before I do that, I just want to, I want to tune you into something that I said in the poem. And the reason I brought that poem in today is there's a line in this poem that says, starts with all are welcome to the magic that happens. This is not about telling you what to believe, but to connect you to something greater, to bring some relief to the struggles and pain. And I want you to hear this word that carry us forward to the struggles and pain that carry us forward. You can't stop us because we are warriors. And so, but really I want you to focus on that, on the struggles and pain that carry us forward. And the reason I brought that poem today, which I haven't done in a while, is because it really ties in so deeply to what we're talking about today. You know, we often look at our struggles and our pain as something to get over, something to get back to what we were before it happened, something to move beyond, you know, move past or forget or to work through so it's not impacting us in the bad way anymore. But what you're going to learn today from our special guest is about how our traumas actually do exactly what this poem says, carry us forward. And learning about what's called post-traumatic growth. And so Selma, I'm going to try, you know, her name has some Um, as you can see, some sounds that are not in English. So I'm going to have her say it properly when she gets here, but I'm going to say Selma Christ Muller. 
And she's going to tell me how, how terrible I did about it, but I'm trying so hard. <laughs> and and um, Selma is in Denmark, Copenhagen, Denmark, and is a researcher on post-traumatic growth and mindfulness. And uh, she is a psychologist and a writer and a meditation and mindfulness practitioner at studied and is educated at UC Berkeley, UCLA, Copenhagen University, and Lund University. And she specializes in research within positive health psychology and post-traumatic growth and compassion and mindfulness and works with this interdisciplinary approach to really help us understand interpersonal neurobiology. So I want you to hear, I'm saying a lot of big words, but what I'm really helping you understand here is that Selma is the shit, <laughs> okay? She knows what's up. And the reason I'm bringing her here as a researcher and scientist is because she really focuses on bringing the science and practices to help us generate and cultivate action, real practical action in our individual selves, in our collective selves, and for our planetary well-being. Okay, and so she's been a part of major research projects, teaching leaders at places like Google, you know, and she has just worked deeply in big places like UC Berkeley's Greater Good Science Center and is a writer and uh, is at the Danish Center for Mindfulness. I'm just looking at all of her crazy resume here and choosing what to say. But I will tell you this, okay? This is probably the most important thing. Selma is one of my favorite people on this planet, <laughs> okay? And her work, she knows this because I've been telling her this for quite some time. I believe that in this time, Selma's work is probably some of the most important work that's even happening on the planet right now. And you're going to see why in just a moment. So Selma, and I'm going to ask you to say your name properly for everybody because I butchered it as always. Selma, welcome <laughs> to the Kingdom Kingdom family. Welcome, Selma. Say what's up, everybody. Woo, woo, woo. What's up? <laughs> what's up, Selma? How are you? Oh, oh my God. You almost gave me like tears in my eyes for that introduction, Justin. Oh. That's just way too much. Like my it's daily truthfulness, we can't take all of that. It's like, no, 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 it's too much. It's all the truth, my dear. Thank it's you. all the truth. So welcome <laughs> to the kingdom. It's so Bye. happy. So Sel y'all, Selma and I have known each other for several years now. And um, Selma's watched the kingdom and, you know, experienced lots of things, heard about the kingdom, um, was even in a group that I was a part of when I started the kingdom. And so Selma and I, it's just like a really big honor to bring her into this family because Selma is actually really like family to me. So Selma, can you say your last name properly for me, please? Friend? You did so well, did though. You did so well. <laughs> yes. So it's Selma Christ Müller. Selma Christ and Müller. I did okay. I yeah, did okay. yeah, I know. I know. When you said it, I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, well, thank you so, so much, Justin, for having me and for inviting me into your kingdom family. I mean, I'm oh. so honored and I'm so grateful. It's a gift to, to have meet you all of you here, too. Yeah, it's such a gift. And the, uh, you, the, the family already loves you here. So, Selma, I want to jump right in. Yes. Why in the hell did you decide to start studying post-traumatic growth? Because this was this still is not, and especially when you first started, was not a big field. What inspired you to want to get into this field? That's such a good question, Justin. And I think there's, there's many different elements. And, um, you know, one of them is that I think in my generation, I'm kind of... Um, 
you know, my parents would always tell me, you know what, we just wish you to be happy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I think that's um, a lot of people in my generation, that's kind of what they're born with. We wish you to be happy. That's the most important thing. And while that comes from such a place of deep love, I also have found it to be a huge responsibility and oftentimes not possible, right? And I would find myself all the time going around being like seeking happiness and seeking it as a form of like an end destination. And I've arrived, right? And now I'm just happy. I'm complete. And life just isn't like that. And each time I felt like I walked through a challenge in my life and I resolved it, I integrated it. I was like, yes, this is the solution. I'm healed. Life was through new things my way. Anybody else resonate um, with that? <laughs> I think we all do, right? Yeah. 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 And um, so I've always been a very curious person and I've always, you know, um, let my curiosity really guide me in different fields and in different directions. And one of them was trying to find answers. And one of them is what has helped me is changing the way of seeing challenges as not being that the end destination, the goal is to be without them. But actually what I found in my own life was that from the the challenges, from the trauma, the crises that I've been through myself, has in a way ended up being the experiences that I am in some way are the most grateful for because they shaped me to become who I am today. And that I gained and I continue to gain so much wisdom and so many insights and moments of awakenings um, from the challenges in my life at a deeper, in a deeper way than, you know, when things just go, go well. Yeah. So, um, <clears throat> yeah. That's amazing. So I think that's and, and and so I want to actually ask you this because this is very clear. A lot of people don't even understand then like why post traumatic growth. Like why is that an important concept to cover? I really want to anchor that because we've all heard post traumatic stress. A lot of us have heard this, right? So mm-hmm. post traumatic mm-hmm. growth, like why is this an important topic for us right now? Oh my gosh. Well, look at the times we're in. Yeah. <laughs> You know, we have plenty of traumas and we have plenty of crises and it's very difficult to not just be overwhelmed and, you know, end up in a state of feeling helpless and feeling hopeless. And when we do that, nothing changes at all. So post-traumatic growth, I think right now, so important for us um, because it is a way of not trying to look away from challenges, but actually diving into them and find, figuring out why am I here? Why am I in this? Is there anything for me to learn, perhaps from the event itself, but also what I choose to do after? What do I choose to do with this event? So I think it's important, you know, it's not necessarily that we need to derive a sense of meaning from the event itself, yeah. but it's from what we choose to do afterwards. Yes. Okay. So this is a real, I, I'm so glad that you're anchoring on this point and you've created, and we're, we're all so lucky y'all because Selma does this all over the world, speaking at big places and she's here with us today. And you've created from your research, a model of post-traumatic growth that I know you're going to walk us through. And so this is a really special thing to happen here on the kingdom. And so um, Selma, I know that we have some 
some slides and some things that we're going to go through for you to walk us through this experience. So um, whenever you are ready, I will pull that up and then we can, you know, you can let me know and we can get into it. Okay, cool. Yeah, well, so before you pull up the first slide, um, let me just explain a bit. Yeah. Um, so I think another important point about post-traumatic growth is the difference between post-traumatic growth and resilience. Mm. Because oftentimes we hear people talking about being resilient. And resilience is can be defined in many different ways. Um, but one way I like to define it is a person's ability to continue living life as before in spite of the trauma or in spite of the challenges they're going through. Okay. Um, so in other words, a person's ability to, you know, go back to living life as before in spite of all of the, the rupture in their lives. But post-traumatic growth is a person's ability to bounce beyond mm. what was before the event because of the challenge. Uh, okay. So this is a really important point for people to get because we're here, we hear in the zeitgeist in the world right now, this word resilience a lot. And so if I'm hearing you clearly, resilience is about going back to what you were before the bad thing happened or in spite of what happened. And post-traumatic growth is bouncing beyond what happened because of what happened. Right? Did I get that? Exactly. That's big. Exactly. That's really huge. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of, and it's not, resilience is super important, you know, and it's important for us to be able to continue living our lives in spite of the challenges and, and all of that. But <clears throat> post-traumatic growth is that there's deep insights and there's yeah. knowledge in the crisis. And we actually want to learn from it and move beyond it. So it is about integrating it and letting us be changed and um, moving us to somewhere else that might be actually become more aligned with our authentic values or what we find truly meaningful and important in our lives. But I also want to say that, <clears throat> um, so first of all, post-traumatic growth often leaves, up, leaves people more resilient um, but there's actually interesting research showing that more resilient people sometimes tend to be less likely to report post-traumatic growth. Oh, why? Because they are less because they are less likely to be shaken up, you know, by the crisis. So the shakening, the the, the disturbance, the difficulty is important for us to move beyond and for us to really. Um, re-question old beliefs, assumptions, habits, and then move us somewhere else. Mm. But I, I, yeah. But I, I also want to say something that is important for me to emphasize. Um, post-traumatic growth isn't necessarily about becoming happy. So this entire process isn't necessarily you coming to a place of deeper happiness or deeper joy. Going through the model as I'm going to go walk you through can also be a process of grief, mm. right? And, you know, take, so take one example. Um, a mom who very tragically loses her daughter to cancer. 
she will probably never become happier afterwards. But in this case scenario, this um, woman I'm thinking of, what she did was that the loss of her daughter, the trauma that derived from this, made her re-question where she was in her life. And if where she was right now, what she was doing in the world, if that really made sense for her still. And she worked within, I think it was finance or investment, real estate, something like that. So she changed her life course afterwards and um, did fundraising for cancer research full time. Wow. So I think this is an example of, you know, a woman that she won't be happier without her daughter there, but she was able to take that event and derive a sense of meaning that brought her greater purpose in her life. And that in a way strengthened her instead of weakened her or uh, pressed her down in a way. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. This is really powerful. I just felt like I just really felt us all drop in, you know, a little deeper here because we've all been through things like this, you know, I mean, not, I obviously haven't been through something like losing a child, but we've all been through things that are big challenges for us. And it's so inspiring to know that we can move beyond this and that it's important to mem- remember that yeah. it's not necessarily just about happiness, but yeah. do, do you feel like, you know, obviously like in this example, the woman may not be happier than when her daughter was here, but do people, when they go through post-traumatic growth and find this greater meaning in their life, do you find that they feel an overall more sense of well-being or anything like that in their life? Maybe not greater, but just that you know, because you're in that dark, dark, dark place sometimes when you have a big challenge. And so does post-traumatic growth help us feel like we're in a greater sense of well-being with that meaning or not Not really? Well, you know, that's so funny because the whole definition of well-being, there are like so many definitions of well-being. So it depends on your understanding of well-being. Like that's a really researcher's kind of... Of course. <laughs> I was like, there's your scientist answer. So yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yes, that being said, if if we see well-being not as a state of pure happiness and happiness being the absence of things that are difficult, then yes, if we see well-being more as a sense of us having a purpose purpose and a greater sense of meaning and directionality in our lives that is aligned with our authentic values. Yeah. Um, and if well-being is our way of being in ups and downs, then yes. Absolutely. And being able to be in those ups and downs without those ups and downs necessarily always having to completely take us out, right? Where we can be present with, we can be present with the ups and the downs. And it's a, it's a bigger sense of being alive, really, you know? Yeah. Yes. I love that. Okay, great. So where do you want to take us next, Selma? You're Selma's driving the ship. Selma's driving the kingdom ship here. (laughs) (laughs) Or chariot, whatever you want to call it. (laughs) Well, so, um, yeah, as you said, post-traumatic growth is like a newer area of research, right? It's um, We've studied for decades and decades the negative consequences of traumas and crises. And, and why you will find me, you know, whenever I say trauma, I also say crisis, disturbances, uh, other adverse experiences. And that's really because for me, post-traumatic growth is... Uh, it's it's almost like a philosophical standpoint too. 
it's our, you know, if there's one thing I want you guys to take with you today, it is a changed way of seeing challenges, struggles, traumas as a way of holding potentially deep wisdom and insight for us. So that's why I'm just going to, and I don't always only use traumas. I use like different terms because I think it can be relevant to all of them. Cool. But so what the research has found is that between 30 to 80% of individuals who've gone through a severely challenging experience report um, growth in one or five or one or more of the following areas. You can kind of group it in. And it's either in terms of a personal strength. So going through a challenging experience can oftentimes um, show us or we may discover strengths within ourselves that we didn't know we had. And I'm sure many of you guys here can relate to that or know of people who've gone through an experience where they're like, I'm never going to survive this. But then going through it and afterwards you're like, wow, okay, I actually discovered strengths within me that I didn't know I had. And this can both be applied to individuals, but also to groups or even organizations too. So second of all, um, when a you know crisis hit us or trauma, we are confronted or we are ruptured in our old way of doing things, our habits, our experiences. And so we're kind of forced to think in new possibilities. And so people oftentimes report new possibilities showing up or that they have discovered new possibilities in life and going forward. Thirdly, going through a challenging experience, you may discover um, people who showed up for you, who supported you in a way that you hadn't, you know, you didn't, you didn't, uh, you hadn't anticipated it. Or going through a traumatic experience with others, identifying that you aren't alone in the suffering, may leave you with enriched relationships. Uh, so that's, so that's the third element. Yeah, okay. Falsely, a lot of people report uh, an appreciation for life. And I think this is one of the things that disturbances, like disturbances from crisis and traumas and challenges, they, you know, oftentimes all of us, we just live in this hamster wheel. But when we're kind of kicked and disturbed by something, um, we may start appreciating things for our lives that we hadn't really thought about before. So appreciation for life is the fourth element. Mm. And then finally, spiritual growth. And spiritual growth may be in the form of people um, deriving that sense of deeper meaning with things or realizing or feeling a sense of not being alone, but being like connected with something greater than themselves. It may also show up in the way of um, that people start asking themselves bigger questions like, what is the meaning with life? Um, what is the purpose with me being here on this planet? Mm. Ethics, big questions like ethics. Wow. So this is like the five areas that it oftentimes shows up in. But so what I have been interested in is um, we know that between 30 to 80% of individuals grow from challenging experience. But first of all, that's like a huge span. And so what I've been really interested in exploring, and I continue to explore this, 
is how can we help facilitate such growth uh, in people who wouldn't otherwise grow from challenging experiences, but who kind of needs help. And so this has been the focus in, in my research and in my work. What could be different elements that could help facilitate such growth in people? Oh, see, this is so, this is why, and I haven't heard you explain it quite this way. And this is why I love your work, why I think it's so meaningful, because a lot of research, you know, will talk about, well, here's what happens. Here's what could happen, right? And what I love about your work is you're like, okay, what helps it, what makes it happen? What makes it more likely that you will experience this? Because we all go through traumas or disturbances or crises. And it, I think I find it so practical and actionable for us to be able to know what will make it more likely that this experience yeah. will allow us to grow. And so th- this yeah. is... That is why I think at the end of the day, I've always found this so useful because it really is something that we all can use. Yeah. Yeah. And um, and so here, actually, you can, you can pull up the first slide. All right, cool. Because oftentimes, um, this would kind of be the model I would see in the literature, that you have a trauma then you have healing, and then you have growth at the end as this kind of end destination, right? Um, But I wanted to kind of move away from this linear way of understanding and thinking Mm -hmm. and moving away from this concept of pre and post and also invite in and acknowledge that there are so many different forms of traumas most often in the literature, in the research literature, it's like these single single episode events kind of traumas, right? But inviting in more complex forms of traumas, including intergenerational trauma, cultural trauma, that developmental again trauma. And again and again and again. It's like exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Continuous traumas. And so, and so, yeah, you can actually pull up the my model. So what I propose is this, the traumatic growth spiral. And I was inspired by the spiral because, you know, kind of like mycelium and fungi, they are able to take toxins or what we consider as toxins and transform it into food that nourish and adds to the spiral and flourish and to the growth of life. And I was thinking, how can we kind of see traumas in the same way? How can we be like fungi and mycelium and take what we see as toxins and traumas and challenges and transform it into opportunities for growth that nourish us or others or the world in some form or the other? Mm. And also, sorry, when I get excited, I, I just... No, speak in one flow, but you please continue on. Now. No, continue, continue. Yeah, <laughs> this is great. Okay. Um, and also, you know, a spiral, we see it everywhere. We see it on the small scale on our fingertips Yeah. to the largest scales of the universe or galaxies. Yep, exactly. Um, so, and also I think a spiral kind of adds in or really help us think differently in our view of challenges and help see us 
see growth and healing not always as the end destination, but that it's more going to be a continuous growth, a continuous flow of rediscoveries, setbacks, move forwards, insights, ahas, healings, etc. So you're going to want to start applying this to your own life, but I don't want you to do it just yet, uh, these different components in the model. Um, I want you to just first listen carefully to me as I'm going to explain these different components in the model. And then I promise you that in the end, I'm going to guide you through a, a little practice that will allow you to dive deeper into um, discovering how you may apply this to your own life. Great. Great. But, um, but yeah, but let me dive into the different elements. So you can almost, you can kind of take your finger at the very top where it says trauma and then move with the spiral to the first area that says awareness. And this is because in order for us to heal and eventually grow from a trauma, we need to first become aware of it. And this may seem very trivial, uh, but this is actually a huge first step. And as a psychologist, this may take many, many, many sessions. Um, and again, also it will be a continuous process of um, us finding new depths or shadows in uh, in our awareness that we didn't know we had elsewhere. So, so at first it says trauma and then unintegrated. This is what you would call an unintegrated trauma. We aren't aware of it yet. We haven't integrated it. Then we move down the first part. It says awareness. Okay. You follow the spiral then it says emotional disclosure and you continue down then it says acceptance you continue upward it says expanded self expanded sense of self you move to the next part where it says action and underneath it says, now the trauma has become integrated. And then you move up and then you see exploration. And exploration kind of dissolves into either into growth in the middle or as these dotted lines uh, that then go out to different layers in the spiral again. So we are at the first place in the bottom where it says, awareness um, and this component or this step is really about understanding that seeing feeling naming one struggle is the first step to healing and growth and that in order for us to be able to heal from something we need to be able to feel it so Dan Siegel who both of you work with um, Justin has the honor of working with. He has this slogan of saying, feel it to heal it. And, um, you know, what in traumas, oftentimes um, people may dissociate from 
the challenges they've been through. Dissociation is a huge topic, and I'm not going to dive too much into it because there are different um, forms of dissociation. But basically, it is um, your body, your mind's way of trying to protect you from harm in a situation where you feel helpless and you can't do anything. So, for instance, with some traumatized people, they might not really be able to remember the event. And um, while for some people, and I think that's why, you know, healing a trauma and eventually growing from a trauma um, can be a challenging process. And sometimes it may feel like you're going two steps backwards in order for, go, for going one, one step forwards. And that's because in order for us to heal it, we have to become aware of what is difficult within us. And that can be, um, well, not comfortable, right, yeah. to say it mildly. Yeah. So, um, but it is, however, important. And, you know, I like to use the metaphor of a freezer to understand dissociation because kind of like with a freezer and we may freeze our food and then we think that it kind of freezes down all of the vitamins and everything and it's just kind of sleep. Um, but by the end of the day, you have to pay the bill and a freezer takes up a lot of energy. And so the same way with dissociation, although you might kind of have suppressed it to the unconscious, your body spends a lot of energy trying to suppress it. So, um, so actually there is one study I just want to briefly mention, and this is not within the context of trauma, but it's just to give an example of how suppressing emotions actually um, not calms us down, but oftentimes causes a lot of distress. So this was a study conducted on uh, 500 undergraduate students and they had them come into the lab and then they randomized them into two different groups. And then they were asked to watch different uh, movie clips that were specifically chosen to provoke strong emotional reactions like um, joy or laughter and sadness and anger and frustration. And then they did different physiological measurements to kind of um, be able to measure their bodily reactions to watching these movie clips. So their heart rate, their sweat conductance in their palms, and etc. So the only difference between these two groups were that one of the groups were told to just watch the movie clips and allow any emotion to pop up as, as they would. But the other group was told to suppress any emotions mm -hmm. that might show, show up. And what do you think they found at the end of the day? I mean, I would imagine, just from what I know about healing, that the group that had to suppress ended up feeling more. more exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. The I love that there's that science to prove this because we say this to people all the time in their healing that when you push it down, it just comes up stronger. It seeps out in all these places yeah. that it doesn't belong. So here's a study to prove it. Exactly. So suppressing emotions can cause distress and we need to become aware of it. And this process, however, needs to be done with a lot of kindness yeah. and a lot of self-love. And I think this is really important to emphasize because we don't want to tell people, yeah, jump in and you force yourself to really discover the harm within you uh, because 
you know, doing it, doing it non-mindfully and non-self-kindly um, may just trigger a re-traumatization or trigger a full-blown anxiety attack. Yeah. You don't want that. So you want to be able to do it with an awareness of where you are, what is your tolerance window, um, and not push it too far. A little bit of disturbance is fine, but not too much. Right. Um, yeah. So moving up to the next part is emotional disclosure. And this is really, you know, from once you become aware of it, inviting in people, sharing it with someone whom you trust and who are empathic and who are able to hold you within their container of love and support is an important pathway to facilitate post-traumatic growth. And this is really based on so much science showing that social support and a sense of community is a key consistent factor towards facilitating growth. And so, and this is the opposite of what many of us do. I think many people do, which is I'm experiencing a trauma. Let me not bother anybody with it. Other people are going through so many worse things right now, especially during this time when there's been so much disaster in so many different ways around the world where it's like, oh, well, I'm going through this thing. Let me not talk about it. Let me keep it inside. Let me isolate myself or be alone. What you're saying is that that actually does not lead to growth. The growth starts to come when we actually emotionally disclose and get vulnerable and share what's going on. Exactly. With someone who can hold it with you, who yeah. won't, of course, like use it against you, right? So you want to do it with someone you trust. Yeah. Uh, but yes, absolutely. Research has shown that if you isolate as a response to trauma, and that's actually what I'm going to talk about at the point in the model that says expand the sense of self. But when you isolate as, for instance, we see in, unfortunately, we still see that a lot in traumas, uh, of sexual abuse, for instance, because there's still such a taboo uh, related to it. And and so many victims still blame themselves, which just, um, just breaks my heart. My heart. Uh, they oftentimes keep it to themselves. And so this is a form of trauma that can actually isolate people. And when it does so, we find that it has severely negative consequences, way worse than if we are able to bond with some people um, about it and not be alone in our suffering. Yeah. Wow. Okay. This is really important. Yeah. So um, another aspect is also focusing on um, the collective rather than a personal experience of a challenge. So for instance, acknowledging that you are rarely alone in your suffering. There are definitely chances are that there are other people in the in the around the globe that has experienced the same thing as you, and that you aren't alone. You're never alone, just like you said here in the kingdom. So, so social connection, group belong, group membership, group belonging, community is such an important aspect of being able to grow from challenging experiences. And this all has to do. Um, the emotional disclosure part of it. Uh, yeah, exactly. Okay. Great. Exactly. Um, 
And yeah, I think, you know, I just, but I just to kind of emphasize this, you know, we know from research that loneliness is more unhealthy to your body than smoking right? or being chronically obese. So it's just to emphasize that this is a real deal and it's not something, you know, it's not a, it is actually as important as sleep and food and exercise. And if you think about it, it kind of makes sense evolutionarily wise, right? Because if you were kicked out of your group, it may, you know, eventually mean that you couldn't survive. You couldn't survive without your tribe. So um, another interesting research, I think, to just emphasize the point is done at UCLA by uh, Dr. Uh, Naomi Eisenberger, I think her name is. And she did these brain scans on people and found that being socially rejected activates the same areas in our brain as experiencing physical pain. Wow. Right? So in other words, being socially rejected, not feeling like you belong, your body see that in the same way as if you were being hit and felt physical pain. Wow. Yeah. This is a really big deal. These are, I mean, this is so important. I'm glad that we're spending a little bit of extra time here on this part of it, emotional disclosure, because I think this is a part that sometimes we feel guilty about doing, we feel shame about doing, we feel like we have to hold back about doing. And so I'm so glad mm -hmm. that you're bringing so much of this forward to show us how important this is. Let's move into the next yeah. part because I want to make sure we have about 20 minutes. And I want to make sure that oh people, I know time flies, right? I want to make sure that people are able to experience the whole, the whole yes. thing. So let's... Um, okay. I'm going to do it shorter then. So the next part is acceptance. And it's really related to the different parts, right? So once we become aware of something, once, and in this process of being aware of it, we may discover this with others. We need to accept that this is the state of the art. This has happened. Um, and how can we move forward from that? So really accepting um, accepting that the trauma has, has occurred or the, or the challenge. So, and then we move up to expanded self, um, the expanded self or the expanded sense of self, which is kind of related. We all already touched a bit on it, Justin, in terms of the emotional disclosure. Um, but this is really that a form of healing is also to reconnect with the reality of our true interconnection. As you said in your prayer, we aren't alone. Yeah. And, and all the know, science actually shows that, you know, the science yes. really shows that. Oh my God, dive into quantum physics, you know? Even Einstein says it. Even Einstein, there's this famous quote by Einstein where he says that our, um, our way of seeing ourselves as being separate and isolated individuals is a delusion. It's a delusion of our consciousness. Yeah. Yeah. And I think actually we could have a whole conversation about that, but, you know, luckily so many amazing teachers touch on this too because I think this is one of the big traumas of um, our climate crisis too is that we've lost touch of us being a part of the planet 
or the loneliness pandemic we see is because we've lost touch of our true interconnectedness with each other and with what is larger than the individual self. Wow. Okay. This, so, yeah. To keep everybody in so, yes. of where we are, you know, we went down through awareness right. from trauma to awareness. We went up to emotional disclosure, talking about how it's important that we share with somebody who can hold the space for us. We pulled down into acceptance, which is about really accepting, even though it's something that may have been hard, but really accepting and acknowledging this has happened, right? Not being, I guess, yeah. Selma, like this is kind of like not being in denial of it, but yeah. accepting yeah. that this has occurred. And then the section that we just covered was this expanded self piece, which is about knowing that it's not just us going through this and that we're not alone. Is that, would that be accurate review? Yeah, that's, okay. I think that's great. Okay. So now we go down um, and to, then, the, to the next bottom piece, which is? Action. Mm-hmm. And this is really because, so at this point, we would say that when we are able to um, work with, confront and integrate our trauma, What is healing if it's not integrated into our way of being and interacting in the world and with other people? Yes. And so bringing our healing forward. And actually, a lot of the times, finding a way to serve others or something bigger than you just, well, others is bigger than you too. So finding a way of transforming the crisis, the challenges, the traumas we've been through, and this process in the spiral, and finding a way of transforming it like, the, like fungi and mycelium into ways of serving in the world. Mm. And actually, this is aligned with you know, a lot of research within the process of grief. That, and recently, a sixth stage of the grief process was added and that was helping. Ah. And yeah, and it is even meant that it's through helping that they kind of this grief process ends. Wow. So so this part is really about acknowledging that helping is a form of healing. And um there is this incredible research study done by um, Ortega Williams. And what she found was she studied black youth organizers in New York City. And what she found was that amongst these black youth organizers, they were able to take the traumas from experiencing racism on a societal level into ways of creating social justice. And what she found was that transformation was a direct pathway to experience post-traumatic growth. Wow. So in this way, us, like you're saying, helping and taking action and doing something in the world and using the traumas that we experience to then go out and serve and support other people actually is not just like, oh, I'm trying to go focus on other people and help. It actually, in turn, helps us experience growth. As well. Absolutely. This is yeah. super powerful. Okay. And I yeah. don't want you, some. I know I said something about time. I don't want you to feel rushed. So 
you know, but I just wanted to give us a sense of time, but I don't want you to feel rushed because I know you have really important points that you want to make sure are included. So we'll just include those, but also at the same time, <laughs> be aware of our of our timings. We'll do those together. So I just, I sensed a little, yeah. I don't want you to feel rushed at all. We are, everybody is taking this no, okay. and loving it. So that's it. No. All right. Well, yeah, but yeah, as you said, and you know, I think actually that examples could be Black Lives Matter movement, the the climate demonstrations we've seen globally, mm -hmm. the Me Too movement. These might even be movements or examples of transforming traumas into ways of creating, you know, a difference in the world. Mm -hmm. But is there, do you, so, um, you may not have anything about this, but I'm just curious because I feel like, um, do some people just go straight to helping as a way to like avoid feeling, you know? And so I just want to be clear that that, that doesn't happen yes. on its own. It's not like, oh, this happened to me. Now let me go help. And now I'm going to experience growth. Mm -hmm. Right. So I just want to make sure I'm yeah. asking that question. And I'm so happy you bring that up because that's such an important point. So also in the research, by Ortega Williams with black youth organizers. What she found was, yes, it was a pathway to post-traumatic growth. However, there was a risk of burnout mm. if they didn't also tend to themselves. Okay. So this is again, we, and this is why I'm so inspired by trauma-informed contemporary practices like mindfulness and yoga and, and meditation. How can we attend to ourselves to know when do we need to attend inwards? And when is our true way of helping ourselves and others turning outwards? Yeah. So it's a balance. And, and actually, the, the three components at the lower end of the model, if you can pull it up here, yeah, action, acceptance, and awareness. I think these three as a triad, triad is, are quite interesting too because just as you brought up, I want people to, at some point, to play around with it because oftentimes we may jump directly to action without actually becoming aware of why we're acting that way. We may just react or we haven't accepted it or are we aware of something, but we still haven't incorporated it into our action. So there's like different elements here. And, and in these three, we would like it to be in the order of awareness, acceptance and action. But oftentimes, yes, we do jump to action without having the different steps forward to it. Super important. Thank you, Selma. <clears throat> yeah. So I'm just going to finish up here. And so we end up at exploration. And really, it's because um, I think exploration is present in all of the different elements. But it is because it seems that becoming aware of accepting that things have happened are necessary first steps, but it isn't enough in order for us to be able to derive a meaning from it and learn something from it that may bring us elsewhere. So some form of intentional exploration, mentally, somatically, collectively, culturally, is important for us to grow from it. And I see this as a continuous process. And that's why exploration kind of adds to these studded lines because now we're in growth, right? But then as life will throw new things our way or we may discover new edges or new 
shadows in our investigation, our healing process, we may be kicked out to outer layers of the model again, all depending on the severity of the trauma and the depths of our healing practice. So, so let me, that's why can I just make I sure that people mm-hmm. I, we're understanding this. So after exploration, yes. you can pop into growth and then yep. you can just pop back out into any of these areas. So you can pop back into more exploration or you could pop back into action or you could pop back into now there's something new I have to accept from what I explored or now there's something new I have to be aware of. And then I go back through and then I have to emotionally disclose the new thing that I'm aware of and then expand. So, okay, this is really helpful to kind of walk through it this way. But so does that in your way of the spiral, you're saying that growth can happen at the same time as we're continuing to process. It's not like, it's not like, you know, this is why I'm really tying it back to the way you opened. It's not this linear model saying, here's the trauma. Now we've healed through it and then it's over, we've grown. Instead, it's, yeah. there, is a, there is a constant unfolding and you can be growing at the same time. Am I getting that right? Yes. Yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah. I, th- I just want to say you that- You could I even call it the traumatic growing spiral. The traumatic right? the growing. The traumatic growing. Mm-hmm, yeah. Growing, that's right. And so I, the reason I want to make sure that I pin that point is because I find that so many of us feel like we have somewhere that we're going to get to, to be like, okay, I'm done with it. And what you're saying is that the growth, this kind of like spiraling upward and growth, like I kind of see the spiral doing this, right? Like it's going Mm, up. Yeah, yeah. And so the growth is happening even while there's still new revelations happening. And all those new revelations happening inspire you to actually grow more, right? Mm, so the more you kind yeah. of go through the spiral, you're even growing even more. Am I getting that? Yeah. Okay. I love that. Yeah, absolutely. Great. All right. I'll be quiet now. Sorry. I just got excited. <laughs> no, I'm so happy. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> yeah, and I'm um, typically me, time has flown. I, I, do we have time to for a short practice? Yeah, I think um, we could. I think we, I think we should. I think we need to do a short practice because I know so many of us, I know even for me, I'm just thinking through things in my own life uh, that this could apply to. So what a gift it will be for us to be able to do that. So just a short practice for people to get a sense of it and then we can give them some actions to explore more deeply later. Okay, let's do that. I would be grateful. Um then I'll, I would like to invite you to um, prepare yourself for a brief practice by finding a, either a comfortable seating position or you may stand up or you may lie down, whatever feels most comfortable for you in this moment. And then we'll just begin by doing a, a quick grounding. I always like to uh, begin my groundings with just three uh, gentle and deep inhalations through our nose, followed up by a longer and gentle exhalation through your nose. So if this feels comfortable for you, we can do it together. So at your next inhale, 
Inhale deeply. And then a long and slow and deep exhalation. And one more time, a deep inhalation through your nose. And a long, deep, and slowly, slow exhalation. And the last time, just in your own pace. Just before we dive, dive deeper into the practice, I would like you to think of a safe place for you. Somewhere where you feel secure. It could be imagining a physical space or or it could even be a sound or a smell or a taste or a feeling. And know that throughout this practice. You can attend to this place if you feel, feel like it. And so now I would like you to think of a difficult experience you've had or are having but not on the intensity of 10, from a scale of one to 10. Not at this moment. For now, just choose perhaps something with the intensity of a five or a six. And this is just to be sure that we move gently. and that we remain within our tolerance level. And now with this event, or feeling, or experience in mind, try to walk through the model. You can peek your eyes open if you had them closed, or just see it with closed eyes or whatever elements of the model that you remember right now. And then explore whether some of these elements can be applied to your own experience. And notice that this can either be in their presence or their absence. 
what new aspects or insights might show up in this discovery. As you go through this exploration, notice what it evokes in your body and where in your body. Does it feel alive and warm or cold or frozen? Do you feel a sense of resistance or grief? Belief. Where are the edges in your exploration? Where do you spend the most time and the least time in the spiral? What new insights are revealed to you in this exploration. Now, begin to prepare yourself to transition out of this exploration and into this space together again.
You can wrinkle your toes, move your body in a way if that feels comfortable for you. You may open your eyes if you had them shut. Then we will end the practice. You know, for me, Selma, I was, I went deeply into kind of two different things and, um, and I felt being in so many, and I recalled being in so many different parts of the spiral, you know, Mm. oh, I was in this part and, and I, and I'm also in all the parts at the same time in some ways and I'm growing. Mm -hmm. I think this is why I love spiral model in so many ways because it's and like it kind of spitting you back out into this process um because it's not in beginning and an end it's like this happened and now i've grown and it's over because we we are in so many of these this is why i love i love and it's so important to bring the feminine into this work you know the scientific work because it's it's so it brings just a, a holistic perspective to the equation. So Selma, thank you so much. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Um, I would love to invite people, you know, one of the things that we do at the kingdom every session is we invite people as we begin to close into what we call a golden nugget or just a, a key takeaway, because there was a lot we covered today from just understanding the difference between starting with resilience and post-traumatic growth all the way through how it happens and the model. And I want people to just be really tender with themselves because I know I'm feeling, so- I'm feeling soft right now, you know, after that practice. Yeah. So if you're feeling that, just you can be with it and you can even take yourself to that safe place that you imagined, that Selma imagined if you need to. But if everybody would, if you feel comfortable, place a hand over your heart and the other hand on top of that and just take a moment to think of, what you gained from this lesson today and one golden nugget, one key takeaway that you want to make sure you take with you from this session. Just giving that a moment to live here for a moment. I think my takeaway Selma today is again, just about, you know, I think the part of the, uh, model that I spend the least time in, I liked that question. Um, was the expanded self part. You know, I'm, I'm really good with emotional disclosure and finding the right people to talk to. I'm really good at stepping into action, becoming aware of this. But I often feel like I'm the only one going through what I'm going through, right? Mm. And like, and thinking that like there's nobody else. You know, I forget that there's like many other people going through whatever mm. I'm going through in that. So for me, would it be accurate to say that would be like in the expanded self category? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's perfect. So that's like just knowing that and like, okay, I could lean in when I leaned into that more and saying, Oh gosh, there's so many people that are dealing with what I'm dealing with, you know? And, and that like makes me feel less uniquely alone, you know, in it or Mm -hmm. I found that really just really helpful. Um, I love all the golden nuggets. Mm -hmm. You know that everybody will have from this, and and Selma, I just want to ask you. Mm. I, I, there's so first of all, there's so much more. I could talk to you for another thirty minutes, but I know we got to let people go. Um, 
Mm. I want to ask you about the edges of your work and just very, mm. like, cause you're, you said you, you're not like somebody who's like, I'm done with my research and here's what I've done and it's over. Right. So you're very much in, yeah. in this process. What is next in this work for you? And as you imagine, you know, expanding in the field. I'm so happy for that question, Justin. Um, as you know, I became a mom six months ago to my beautiful daughter, our beautiful daughter. And, um, and that has been such a transformative experience on all levels. And, um, and I, yeah, I could talk a lot about this, but I'm going to limit it. But so what right now, and this is based on, you know, my own experiences becoming a mom and what I've discovered or talked with other moms about other parents about. So right now, what I'm really curious about exploring and what I'm in the midst of exploring is how motherhood or parenthood puts us into contact with unintegrated and unhealed embodied traumas and simultaneously offer a unique opportunity for healing and growth mm. in this unconditional container and mirroring that and connection that you have with your child. Wow. Yeah. So this is, um, yeah, we can have another discussion about that, but so this is something I'm very, um, very, you know, that's very alive in me right now. And, um, and, and another part is the whole concept of action and activism. Mm. And this is very inspired by uh, Dr. Bayo Akumulafi, whom is an incredible teacher and, and, um, and how he kind of phrases this question of how could our understandings of action and activism be part of the problem? So this has really made me rethink um, our way of understanding service and action and activism. Wow. Yeah. This is so beautiful, Selma. Well, I know that this entire world is going to be and will be so gifted by the work that you are doing and this research that has such practical, meaningful application for all of us. And um, I am, you know, wondering if you have any action, you know, that people can take with them after they leave this session today that would help them kind of continue along in their process of growth. Mm. I think um, perhaps right now after this session, if you have the opportunity to just journal down for a couple of minutes for yourself, what came up for you and what you really want to take with you and then share it with someone. Ah, uh, yeah. You're right. The emotional disclosure, see community and that you aren't alone. Mm. So definitely share it with someone whom you trust. Yeah. This is so beautiful. Selma, I feel so grateful. You know, I feel so grateful to know that, you know, I remembering the first time I heard you teach this and I was thinking of um, growing and how that is, you know, the ing adding on to it instead of like, I'm done, I'm healed, I'm complete, I'm grown. Like I'm growing, yeah. I'm constantly growing. And, and then you add a new trauma in and a new experience in and a new discomfort in and all of those yeah. things can just keep yeah. spiraling us upward. And like you started yeah. today, help us bounce beyond where we mm -hmm. are 
because of what we're going through now. And so it's like we uh, are digesting and, you know, using all of this in service of our spiraling into a new becoming. So Selma, I want to thank you so much for coming. Is there anything you want to share as just like a last takeaway with all of our people before we close with our closing blessing? Um, Well, I think, well, I hope that your way of experiencing and approaching and seeing challenges and traumas and uh, disturbances has changed and that you will um, seek knowledge and seek insights in them instead of trying to avoid them. Mm. And then I think I just, I just really wanted to express my deep, deep gratitude for all of you here and for you, Justin, and um, for this invitation into this community. That's just always such a rich gift. Mm. Uh, Well, I love you all. We rise together and we will just now Mm. go to our closing blessing. God, spirit, universe, all that is, all that ever has been, and all that ever will be, we thank you. Thank you for bringing this community together. Thank you for helping us know that we can and will grow. We will always grow from everything that comes our way. We have faith, we believe, and we trust. And we'll do the work too. So it is. Ashe, Aho, Salam, Amen, Shalom, Satnam, Awen, Om. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Kingdom Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd love for you to rate it or subscribe. But most importantly, to send this episode to a friend or to someone you love. The only way we're going to see change in this world is by each of us spreading messages of hope into the corners of the world where only you can reach. So send this today to someone who needs it. I'm sure they'll thank you for it. This is Justin Michael Williams, signing out. I love you, and I'll meet you right here in this special place in our next episode, where we rise together.